Amen. Good job. Can we give her a hand? That was rough. There's some tough, rough words in there. Great job. <laughs> She's like, Jason, I'm never reading the scripture ever again. <laughs> Jason picked out that scripture too, just so you know. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Today we are starting a new series called A Disciple's Toolbox. And we're going to be focusing on the whole heart of this conversation was if we are going to be disciples of Christ, what tools have we been given and what, what tools do we have at our disposal? And I, I loved this image when we started talking about this and, and brainstorming about it because everybody gets that image, right? A toolbox. I mean, we all have a toolbox, right, at our, at our houses with different things in it, different things that we need at different times. And when we started talking about this toolbox image, I immediately thought about uh, the, the first toolbox that I ever received. I'm embarrassed to say I was about 22 years old, maybe, 23 years old. And what, what, how that came about is that when Christine and I got engaged, of course, uh, we went and registered, right? And we registered for, you know, spoons and forks and, and glasses and, and all of those things that a newly, couple, newly married couple would need. But then my, my close best friend at the time, he had this ingenious idea. He was like, you need a tool shower, brother. And I was like, amen. I feel like that's right. And so I literally, with my best friend, went to Sears, and they had a scanner like, like a wedding shower. I mean, I was like scanning wrenches and hammers and, and drills. It was, it was heaven. And he was helping. He was like, oh, you got to have this, and you got to have this. And, and these, all these men of the church that I worked with, they, they went out and saw all these tools, and they bought them, and they bought me their favorite tool, the one that they couldn't live without. And so we had this big shower, and we, and we ate steak, and we, we threw knives, and we did all this manly stuff, right? And at the end of the day, I had this pile of new tools, right? I mean, it just makes you want to grunt, right? You're like, oh, yeah. But there was a problem. I had a lot of tools but I had very little experience using them. I had a lot of tools, but I had very little confidence in putting them to good use. And that's what we need to remember. That's what we need to remember about tools. That's a crucial thing that you need to cling to when we work through this discipleship series. Having the right tool is half the solution. Knowing how to use it is the other half. Having the confidence in that tool's ability to accomplish what it needs to is the other half of that solution. That's crucial for us because many of us as disciples, we know what tools have been made available to us, but we have very little experience using them. And even worse, because we have very little experience, we have far less confidence in using those tools. Because that same reality about all those tools that I had, and I had very little experience using them, that same reality applies to our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been given tools to grow as disciples and, and make an impact, and, and that's half of the solution, but we have to grow in our experience using them. And the, and the tool that we're gonna be talking about today is prayer. We have been gifted just as I was gifted tools, we all have been gifted prayer by God in order to communicate with God. Prayer is literally a God-given opportunity to have a quality conversation with Jesus Christ and a quality opportunity to listen to Him responding to our prayer. 
Now, I, I remember once, and, and I'm going to blame this on a meme so that you're not mad at me, but uh, many people complain, I don't hear from God. I don't, I don't hear God talking to me. And, and many of those same people have a lot of dust on their Bibles. Remember, that was a meme on Facebook. That wasn't me saying that, right? Many times the best way for us to have a conversation with God is for us to cry out in prayer and then to look deeply in His Word. Many times prayers are our opportunity to speak to God and then searching His Word is His opportunity to speak to us. Or you can reverse that. You can search God's Word and as He pierces your heart and He separates you know, all of those things that need to be separated, then you can respond to what He has said in prayer back to Him. Prayer is a God-given opportunity and is, a, and is an amazing God-given opportunity. As disciples of Jesus Christ, it is important for us not to just have prayer in our toolbox. It's crucial that we develop our experience in prayer because prayer matters. Can I just say that again? Prayer matters. We're going to see that later on in, in, as we look at our scripture. Prayer makes a difference. A lack of prayer also makes a difference. So how many of you have ever heard the phrase, my grandpa first said it to me, the right tool for the right job? Anybody ever heard that? The right tool for the right job? Okay. Now, my grandpa said that to me all the time, and, and, and sometimes, that, that's so true, sometimes the right tool at the right time can make all the difference in the world. And the same is true when it comes to, to prayer. As, as Jesus' disciples, we need prayer in our toolbox. And over the next four weeks, we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be talking about it, and we're going to hopefully give you some useful, impactful tools to have in your prayer toolbox. These various kinds of prayer tools are going to help us as we pursue becoming Christ-like. And in this series, what our hope is, is that you would walk away from this series fully realizing the function and the purpose that different types of prayer can have in our lives and those around us. So following with this theme of tools and what tools we have and what tools we're familiar with, how many of you in here, raise your hand, uh, know what an Allen wrench is or an Allen key is? Okay. Raise your hands again. If your hand's not raised, look at somebody around you, go to them afterwards, ask them what it is and how to use it, okay? We're going to test them, see, see if they're just giving in to peer pressure. So according to Wikipedia, which is probably the best source of accurate information, uh, they define an Allen key as a simple tool used to drive bolts and screws with a hexagonal socket. That wasn't super helpful for me. I don't think that's super helpful for you, so I have my own definition, okay? My definition of an Allen wrench is an essential tool that can do what no other tool can do. An essential tool that can do what other, no other tool can do. I mean, can I get a testimony from a brother in the house who's ever tried to use a screwdriver to turn an Allen-headed bolt? I mean, anybody tried that? It is the worst. You will lose your religion faster than anything else. You'll be cussing that baby crib you're putting together. Maybe that was just me, but it just, it does not work. Nothing will turn an Allen head bolt or screw, but an Allen head wrench or key. 
And many times, it's crucial because many times those bolts or, or those screws are found in, in tough-to-reach places. I remember this crib that I put together for my son who I loved. I suffered for you, son. I did. I, I mean, I had to like contort myself in these horrible positions to turn these Allen bolts. But I had to because those Allen bolts were crucial to holding the crib together. I had to figure out a way to get the right tool in the right place to hold together what I was trying to build. An intercessory prayer is much like an Allen wrench. See, intercessory prayer does the same thing in our spiritual life. It helps us in difficult times and difficult places. Intercessory prayer connects us to the power of God and enables us to lock down what God wants to accomplish or set free what God wants to set free in our lives. But you have to have the right tool at the right time. Intercessory prayer is like an Allen wrench. It, it allows us to build what God wants to build in our lives. And so a good question that I know all of you are asking right now is, okay, well, what is intercession? Intercession is, a, is, is specific in its purpose to stand in the gap for others and for ourselves. Intercession is prayer that pleads with God for, for your needs and for the needs of others. But it's also much more than that. Intercession involves taking hold of God's will and refusing to let it go. Just like when I was building that crib for my son, I could have said, it's too hard. He'll have to sleep on the floor. I couldn't do it, right? I tried. My, my wrist doesn't turn that way. No. Intercessory prayer says, I will not stop until what God desires to build in me is built. I will not stop until what God wants to set loose in me is set loose. Intercessory prayer is a, is a, a passionate commitment to cooperating with God and doing what God wants to do. Just like an Allen key. Intercessory prayer uh, does not give up. It's the kind of prayer that endures setbacks and it overcomes obstacles. Uh, it's a prayer that presses on until we see God's will in every situation that we're facing. Now, one of my favorite examples of this is a, a story that we find in the book of Luke. It's, it's a, it gives us a great example of, of intercessory prayer. It's about the persistent friend. You guys know that story in Luke chapter 11? A guy is... is Shocked when a bunch of friends of his show up at his house around midnight. He looked in the cupboard and the cupboard was bare. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go to my neighbor's house. And he knocks on the neighbor's door. His neighbor, the scripture tells us he's in bed with his wife and all of his kids. And he yells at the window, what do you want? Right? And the man says, I've had a bunch of people show up at my house. I need three loaves of bread. And the neighbor's like, are you serious? You waking me and my kids up? I just got them to sleep for some bread? Get out of here. The neighbor gets back in his bed and he hears, I really need that bread. My friends are hungry. I don't have anything. Get out of here again. Come on, man. I, know, I, saw your, I was in your kitchen today. I saw you had six loaves of bread. I just need three. 
And the scriptures tells us, because of the friend's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And Jesus follows that up, that, that up by telling us, everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find, and the door will be open for him for everyone who knocks. I really need you to do this, Lord. I really need this to be set free. I really need you to show me what to do. That's intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is about God's time and our persistence coming into alignment. Now, our text for today is another example of, of the power of intercessory prayer uh, where Israel defeats Amalek because God called Moses to intercede on behalf of the Israelites. In verse 8, uh, there's this little word that, that you can't miss if you're reading it, and it's the word, then. Or in your particular version, it might say now. Uh, in my version, it says, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Now, I want to say up to this point, it has not been a cakewalk for Israel, much because of their own rebellion, but it was not a cakewalk. You know, first they, they exited Egypt, and they were walled in by the Red Sea. God made a way. He delivered them out of Egyptian bondage and crushed the Egyptian army. Uh, then Moses and the people were traveling in the wilderness, and they come to a place called Mara. It's this oasis in the desert, and they thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm just dying of thirst. I can't wait to take a big drink of this, this watery oasis, and they find out that the water is bitter and undrinkable. God moves on their behalf at that point, and he makes the water sweet and, and able to be drank. Uh, then they come to this place called Elam, and when they get to Elam, they're starving to death. They have no food, and they're, they're complaining to Moses, why did you bring us out to the desert to die? The leeks and the onions in Egypt were better. That's when you know they're really starving. They're like, leeks and onions were better than what we have here. But God makes a way for them there, and he rains down this heavenly bread called manna, and he fills their stomachs. And, and then... Here is the first part of the chapter that, that we're studying. We see where Moses and the people of Israel came to a place called Rephidim. Again, they were dying of thirst, but there's absolutely no water. It was bitter. Uh, it wasn't bitter or sweet. There was just no water there. And so Moses strikes a rock, and a fountain bubbles up, and, and their needs are met. It's at this point that we, we see uh, Amalek and his army entering into our equation. All the way up to that point, God was... was making a case for his faithfulness. I met your need at the Red Sea. I met your need when you're dying of thirst. I met your need when you're, you're dying of hunger. And then Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Now, here's what's important. This is just bonus information for you to show off at lunch today. Do you know who Amalek's grandfather was? Okay, nobody went to the first service. Man, if you wanted the answers in this service, you go to the, next, the early service. Esau. Jacob and Esau were brothers. If you remember, Esau was the oldest, so he had the birthright of his father. And he came, out, he came home from a, from a hunting trip, and he, he was starving. I'll say it that way. And he traded his birthright, his God-given gift, to his younger brother for, the, for a bowl of soup. Let me translate it another way. He gave in to temporary comfort that equaled long-term consequences. 
That's what you're going to face, church, when, when you make a commitment to intercessory prayer. You're going to be tempted to give in to that temporary comfort, to give up your God-given birthright, your God-given gift, your God-given tool to make an impact. But doing so will have long-term consequences. Because of Esau's rebellion, his grandson and his grandson's people are the first to oppose God's people after they left Egypt. Esau's rebellion is being seen, the consequence of that rebellion is being seen uh, in this interaction between Amalek and Moses and the nation of Israel. And again, that's exactly how it is in our Christian life. We're going to face opposition, and we're going to find ourselves in the midst of battle. And it's going to be so tempting to give over to that temporary comfort. But we have to remember that, yes, we are heirs to God's blessing because we are children of God. God has continually, just as he continually showed himself faithful to the nation of Israel during their hardship after hardship of hardship, he is continuing showing himself faithful to us in the midst of our hardships and our battles. Now, uh, one of my other favorite examples of, uh, a great example that contrasts Amalek and Esau's rebellion is Jesus' temptation. He was baptized. Y'all remember that story? Jesus is baptized. I love this story. So powerful. He's baptized, and as he comes up out of the water, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and we hear the Father say, this is my Son, in who I am well pleased. Now, what you need to note about that is this is before Jesus has begun his earthly ministry. So the father is well pleased with his son because of the relationship, not what Jesus had accomplished. And it's that confidence of his identity in his relationship with Jesus that empowered him and he needed because right after that it says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert and he had been fasting and, and, and not drinking for, for 40 days. And Satan comes and tempts him. And Satan says, hey, if you're really the son of God, take these rocks, make them into bread. Can I tell you it wasn't about the bread? Can I tell you it wasn't about Jesus' hunger? It was all about Jesus' identity. If you're really the son of God, prove it. But in doing so, Jesus would have rebelled against the Father. Because Jesus responds with, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. See, he didn't give in to the temporary comfort, because he knew the long-lasting consequences of that rebellion. We need to have that same, same confidence of our identity in Christ, and our same confidence in the good gifts that he has given us. Now, let's, let's jump in uh, to verse 9 of our scripture today. It says, Moses said to Joshua, come, submit... Choose some men for us to go out, fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now, Moses was very strategic in making this decision. He decided to stand on the hilltop so he could clearly see the battle in front of him and what God needed to do. That's how intercessory prayer works for us. It gives us a better view of the battle, a better sense of where God needs to move and where he needs to work, where we need to invite God to intercede. Verse 11 says, so it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. This is what I was talking about, church. When we pray, we're creating opportunity for God to prevail. Prayer matters. But did you see what it said? 
When Moses lifted up his hand, Israel prevailed. When his hand grew tired and he brought his hand down, who prevailed? Amalek. See, lack of prayer makes a difference too. Lack of prayer makes an avenue and an opportunity for the enemies of God to prevail. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. You can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. I'm going to let that one simmer while I turn the page here. Now, if we read verse 11 carefully, we'll find uh, something interesting there. It was what I just talked about. Sorry, I got ahead of myself on my notes. Now, what, what's important as we look at this is, this is what we're talking about, that prayer is, is both offense and defense. It's both an offensive weapon and a defensive weapon. And, and we see that in Ephesians 6, which we're going to be talking about here in a few weeks, which des describes the armor of God. And all of the pieces of God's armor are defensive. They're means uh, to protect us from the attacks of the enemy, except for two. And those two are the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and prayer. Prayer is meant to be an offensive weapon. It's meant to be used as you look at the battlefield going on around you and you identify where God needs to move and work and you're inviting God to move and work in that way and in that area and accomplish what God's will desires to accomplish. Now what you also notice is that Joshua could not have succeeded without Moses. Joshua was down in the battle. He was swinging the sword. He was doing what God had called him to do. But he needed Moses standing on the hilltop praying and interceding on his behalf. But Moses could not have done it without Aaron and her. They're the guys that, that don't get much credit because Moses got tired and he got weary. And the scripture says that, that they rolled a rock up for, for Moses to sit on. And then they came along each side of him and they held his arms up. Now let me ask you an interesting question. Why didn't they just take the staff out of Moses' hand and hold it for him? Because that's not what they were called to do. See, that, God had given Moses the authority to intercede in that circumstance. But he still needed help. See, not all of us are called to be Moses. Not all of us are called to be pastors. But all of us, every Christian can be in an Aaron and a her. Every Christian can come alongside those who are leading them and help hold their arms up and help support their ministry and prayer. Everyone can do that. And can I tell you, Rick, Tony, and I need that. We need men and women to come alongside us and lift us up in prayer. Because it's, it's, it's hard. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. It, there's burdens that come with, with leading in the way we've been called to lead. We need Aaron and her in our life lifting us up. But what I, what, I, what I love about this whole equation is if you look at it in the right context, in the right lens, what God did in that battle with Amalek took place within community. They weren't all in the same place at the same time, but Joshua needed Moses, and Moses needed Aaron and her, and all of them had to work in concert doing what God had equipped them and had called them to do in that circumstance. The same applies to us today. And we believe that same powerful cooperation and community takes place in grow groups. That's why we believe people grow in groups. That's why we so highly value groups. 
because there's people in those groups that are called and equipped to accomplish certain things, but they need other people coming alongside them and supporting them and encouraging them. And we all get tired and we all need support. We all need people interceding for us. But that doesn't happen if you don't have that communal relationship of sharing and supporting and trusting each other. So needless to say, if you're not in a group, I'm going to invite you to be in a group. So let me just say again, just like the Allen wrench, intercessory prayer is the perfect tool to get you through difficult and awkward circumstances and situations and experience the faith and the power that God has called us to have. Now, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And here's what, here's what we know, that intercessory prayer is not easy. Because of the power and the impact that intercessory prayer has, the, the enemy is going to come against that. And he's going to try to distract you or discourage you or tempt you to, to take that bowl of soup and give up your God-given birthright and just sit over there in comfort and eat your soup while Amalek prevails. So we wanted to equip you with some things that might help you uh, embrace and cling tightly to that tool that God has given you. The first one is in your bulletin, you should have received a prayer card. Uh, this is a prayer guide for every day of the week uh, to lift up this, this new uh, venture, this new vision, this new, this new focus that our church has to start an Amarillo campus. So you can put this on your bathroom mirror or, or somewhere where it's safe to, to, to uh, look at. Uh, don't put it on your windshield, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. And pray specifically for, for us and for this mission every day. You also notice that, or I'll remind you that we have these prayer ribbons. These are my two. We invite you when you come up here in a moment for communion to take a ribbon and put it somewhere as a reminder of your opportunity to intercede what God's burdened your heart with. And then when that prayer is answered, come back and celebrate by placing it on the cross. And the last one is um, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, many times... When we talk about prayer, we hear, I forget, so that's what these, these tools are for, or I don't know what to pray about. And so this is a response to that concern of I don't know what to pray about. Back in the back uh, are these, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, keychains. I would not recommend putting it on your keychain. People look at you weird and laugh because it won't fit in your pocket, but um, are these different prayer guides? And back there at the back, there's different ones you can look at, and then there's order forms. Uh, we're going we're gonna to cover the extra expense, and we're just going to ask you to pay five bucks uh, for these. Uh, this one's prayer for beginners. Uh, there's prayers for your husband, prayers for your spouse, prayer for your kids, prayers for the lost, prayers for the military, all different emphases that you could take this and sit it on your desk or uh, put it in your backpack or somewhere that each day you could flip through it and be reminded what to pray for whatever emphasis you chose to focus on. And the last one is, is, the last tool is an invitation to join a, a, a grow group, to, to join a community that, that knows you and can lift you up in prayer and that you can lift them up in prayer. So.